Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Eight team, 23, 25, 30, 33. 18, 23, 25, 30, 33. I'm Michael Borky. He's Brian Haydad. Richard's off today. He did Gallo this morning on Election Day. Hope you guys went out so there he, and he technically voted. did work. He, he worked today. Did work. He did, uh, but he's not doing the six-hour bookend thing like uh, like he should. But, you know, we're not going to shame him today because he was up at probably 4 a.m. and had to talk politics this morning. So, God bless him. We get him with that on Friday, I believe, right? Because we have the all-day remote here in Starkville. I believe he's doing Gallo that morning oh. as well. <laughs> so I'll try oh, to man. take him to lunch. Good. Uh, if he's not napping. Yeah, good. Ah. Looking forward to the show being there in Starkville. We've uh, got yeah. another one coming up on the, the first Thursday of college football uh, in Oxford as well. So we're, mm-hmm. we're going to hit the uh, the, the We've SEC got one before that, here. too. We've got one on the 24th uh, in Perkinston at Mississippi Gulf Coast Heck Community yeah. College. See? We're just covering all the bases. We, are on the, we have been on the road a lot. Like, going back to the uh, the St. Cecilia uh, event uh, uh, for Steve Azar. Yeah. I've traveled quite a bit, which, you know, Will least hates to see when I turn in that expense report. But the, the sales staff uh, do Doing work uh, around here. Uh, this show being yeah, on the road good. means uh, our our sales team at Super Talk is kicking. You know what? But anyway, Richard's off today. He did politics this morning. I I'm just glad the attack ads are are going to go away after today. I, I'm just glad that's oh, over. You right? say that, and you don't know that for a fact. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but uh, I'm Borky. He's Hey Dad. Those numbers. By the way, you want me to make your day? This should make your day. If it doesn't, there's something wrong with you, not something wrong with me. So they were 18, 23, 25, 30, 33. 18 days until week zero. You know, the lineup of games is not something that you're going to just... Doesn't matter. But you got Notre Dame, Navy. You got an SEC team playing that day. And you've got a bunch of games that you can put on in the background when you're doing other stuff and you look up and there's college football on your TV. So 18 days until week zero, 23 days until that first Thursday, Florida-Utah is playing that night. So that's going to feel like a really big night of college football. 
I, I don't remember the rest of the schedule off the top of my head, but I know that game is getting played, and that's a big one. So 23 days until the first Thursday, air quotes. 25 days until our teams get their season kicked off. Yes, I know it's Mercer and Selah. Um, but still, it's Doesn't football. Matter. It's football, and we get to watch it, and that's awesome. 30 days until the NFL season opener, which is the Detroit Lions, by the way. What a glow-up. That's what the kids are saying these days for the Detroit Lions. Yeah. Uh, and, and Dan Campbell just doing an awesome job there, getting the first game against the Kansas City Chiefs to kick off the season, and then 33 days until that first NFL Sunday, which includes the New Orleans Saints. The biggest number is 33. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, we're just just a touch over a month away from everything happening. Back in business. Mike, uh, we'll tell you uh, here in the future on uh, when we'll be at, at MGCCC, and, and we'll let you know, because uh, I hope you're asking because you want to come see us. And if that's the case, yeah, we'll, we'll let you know um, as we get closer. But I look forward to hopefully seeing you there, my man. Um, yeah. Love love being down at the coast. Somebody said Richard did a good job this morning. He was only... Uh, <laughs> he was only gouged a few times, but he handled it well. That's Richard's phone number. No, I made you look. Th- oh, I looked. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I wasn't sure. It's oh, like man. Richard forgot to sign out of his burner text account or his tweet account, where he's just like, "Richard's great on that show." Yeah. I can't text the show when I'm off because you guys will know the area code. Now, there's another 864 that texts the show that's not me, but you would know right I mean, away that know I'm sure I would just figure it out that it's, your, that it's you, you know. I mean, I, I don't look at the area codes that that deeply, but, you know, yeah, you'd make a smart enough comment that I'd be like, okay, this, yeah. this guy's inside. Jeff says, dang, Borky, I thought you were giving me winning lottery numbers. You know, that would kind of be fun if you feel like spending the money to do the countdown Wasn't numbers last for night? the lottery. Or that, that's tonight, isn't it? That's How much money? Tonight, $1.55 billion. Which I look at it like this. You probably you win $700 million and the government wins $800 million. Yeah, the IRS is the biggest winner in the lottery, of course. Yeah, they, the IRS loves the lottery. They're, they're pulling for somebody to win tonight. Jeez, one point five billion dollars. Which, like you said, it's only 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 seven hundred million dollars. Yeah, um, I, I could make it work. Yeah, I could buy my island and I could buy a sports team. Not a big one. It would have to be like an ECHL hockey team or something. But I could buy one. Yeah. Well, I could get them for you know just a, like a few million bucks. I, I could be in on like an MLS expansion franchise. I think get Messi to come yeah. to my stadium. There you go. What a phenomenon that is. What I could buy also, which the numbers might make your day. If they didn't, this might make your day. Nick Saban, you know, the guy that we all desperately want to retire because he's just had a reign of terror on college football, unlike anything we've seen in modern times. Nick Saban possibly purchased his retirement home recently. In Jupiter, Florida, Nick Saban spent $17.5 million 
on a new house, again, in Jupiter, Florida. It's 6,200 square feet. Only six bedrooms and five bathrooms for $17.5 million. The windows go from the floor to the ceiling, and buddy, the ceilings are huge. They are tall. So just huge windows in the back of the house that go from floor to ceiling that look out over the ocean and his private garden. It's got a dock and a boat lift, and the property is stunning, and the house is kind of hidden from the front with trees and stuff. But the back, he's... It's a Jupiter, Florida home in the same area that, like, Tiger Woods and Justin Tom. It's a big golf community, and Nick Saban's a big golfer. Mm -hmm. That's where all the wealthy golfers buy property, is is Jupiter, Florida. And Nick Saban, $17.5 million on a house in Jupiter. It's wishful thinking. But did Nick Saban buy his retirement home this week? This can't be his furniture, looking at it. I just don't. I can't see him with this big blue couch. Like he wouldn't have blue in there. That's, yeah, that's no. got to be like the, the the pictures before he got in there. Yeah, the the previous interior decorator. Somebody said apparently his neighbor is Celine Dion. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Well, sure. Could you? I, Could you Imagine going over there. All right, see, uh, all right, see, Celine, we're having a we're having a barbecue uh, this weekend. All right, and uh, I want you to be there. And uh, you don't you don't have, we're gonna do a little karaoke, but you ain't got to sing. Don't worry, just come over and over, have a good time. All right. I mean, I can't do saving, but that's that's the best I can do. But I mean, what is that conversation like? We need to get By two way, microphones neighbor, in front of them just just to speak. Yeah, just hear what that's define like. neighbor when you have a house like that. Like like my neighbor's house, literally, I could you know. Throw a rock. Yeah, I hear my neighbor's AC kicking on. <laughs> I can hear I can hear my neighbor's dog barking at all times. How, how close is Celine Dion's house? Like a mile away? She's the neighbor. I, mean, I don't know. I, I don't know, but God, I, I really would would need to hear those conversations. But yeah, I think because I am, um, it's confirmation bias. I think he bought his retirement yeah. home, and I think he's ready to go retire to Jupiter and to play golf with Tiger Woods and Justin Thomas because you know he's going to get to play golf with Tiger Woods and Justin Thomas and all those guys and hang out yeah. and, and drive his boat every morning. He and Miss Terry are looking to the future. In the future, please football gods means he will soon move there See, permanently. You're so worried. Neither state nor Ole Miss play him next year. It's we got Nick Saban out of our life in 2024. I don't have to deal with Nick Saban next year. Just I got to deal with Kirby Smart, but you know I can live with Kirby Smart. Yeah, Tiger also owns a house on the island. Somebody says absolutely. Your Saban impression apparently sounded a bit like Elvis. Well, thank you. Well, thank you very much. Watch him retire before the other two teams come to the SEC, please. That'd be great. That oh, would if he be... retires before the end of, at the end of this season. Oh, okay. We can move on with our lives. Somebody our asked long me, "National nightmare is over." Yeah. Somebody asked me recently if would you take another Alabama championship if it meant Saban retired after? And I was like, yes. "Yes, please." Yeah, give it to me. What's the difference between seven and eight? There's no difference. James Crapia will join us next. If that's a name that's not familiar to you, he has been on the show before, but he covers Oregon. And so we're going to kind of pick his brain about the move to the Big Ten and how it's received up there and 
talk a little Ducks football because they're on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days today. He'll join us next in the Pearl River Resort Studio. We'll be right back. Come on. Are we going to do this? Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Keep rolling. Three, two, one. Super Talk Mississippi. Jerry and Pontotoc, real quick, says, uh, who knows what Saban and Celine Dion would talk about, seeing as though they're neighbors now, but people with money don't talk like us. That's true. Very true. I mean, how quickly do you think Saban would bring up football in his initial meeting with his new neighbor? Like, the second I mean, sentence? Like, like, yeah, but she would think it's, it's soccer. <laughs> yeah, because she's French. Uh, nice to meet you. And then it just awkward silence. So, yeah. do you like football? Anyway, speaking yeah. of football, uh, there's there's been some news. I don't know if you guys have seen it or heard us talk about it a hundred times, but uh, conference realignment has been the story in college football. And to talk with us about it from the Oregon perspective, it's James Crepia from the Oregonian. He's on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. So, James, we appreciate your time this afternoon. Uh, let's start with this. Uh, the your audience, your your uh, readers and subscribers' reaction to the move was what? A lot of excitement and enthusiasm. And I think that if you go back to before the L.A. schools announced their departure of you know, from the Pac-12 to the Big Ten, that there were some Oregon fans who wanted to see this be the move eventually, uh, exactly when or under what timetable. And that may have ranged. And there were definitely some fans out there who didn't really want to see the, the Pac-12 collapse, didn't want to see uh, a move to the Big Ten, thought, you know, eh, you know that's, that would be nice, but eh, no, I'm okay with regionality. And after the L.A. schools left 13 months ago, uh, it became either you're in the club or you're not. <laughs> that's the bottom line. Uh, and I think, you know, I, I'm sure as you guys know, and, and audiences down in the southeast know, uh, that was a lot of the feeling, obviously, when Texas and Oklahoma were moving on. Um, and they'll be joining the SEC in a year. So when all of this realignment really got going uh, through this cycle, uh, through this various couple of years, whatever people may have felt before movement, uh, after it started, you know, feelings started to change. And over the last year, especially over the last month, uh, the chorus of Oregon fans uh, really started to grow in terms of like they they wanted to move. They wanted to. They did not want to be left behind. Uh, they didn't want to see uh, Oregon get left behind. They didn't want to see USC in particular go out to the Big Ten and then be stuck in the Pac-12 under a bad deal and uh, being anything less visible or anything like that. If, if a Pac-12 deal was totally palatable and worth a lot of money um, and heavily skewed towards successful programs like Oregon, Oregon fans probably would have been okay with it for the next five or six years. But with what the terms were, I've yet to hear, other than those who love nostalgia, uh, I have yet to hear from any Oregon fan in any platform, and I'm not asking for more emails than I've already received, uh, to, to express <laughs> themselves that um, that this is not a good deal. This is this is where people wanted uh, Oregon to get to over the last year, and, and like I said, the, all, the reaction I've I've seen has been overwhelmingly uh, excitement, enthusiastic, looking forward to a significantly better uh, conference schedule uh, and better games that they can watch on television. What a concept! 
uh, and actually see uh, quality games on television and quality games to go to. Uh, and they don't have to worry about when, you know, some lesser opponents uh, are coming in and the, and the home season ticket uh, package may only have one or two games uh, that are appealing. Now that's, that's not going to be a problem anymore. James, when was the last moment where you had hope for the Pac-12 to continue? When, when did it officially die and you were like, okay, everything's about to break up? Well, when Colorado left, I thought at that point that things got extremely tenuous. Up until that point, and obviously we knew all the rumors. We had to rehash the last year. We've all lived it. Rumors aside, all the insinuation aside from the Big 12, and look, it came to fruition. All the corner schools left. But all that aside, until someone did leave, not because there was a lot of optimism or projections of optimism from the conference office or schools, but because, yeah, but they didn't leave yet. You know, they were still buying into the plan and the vision and the hope that a deal could be secured. Once Colorado left, which it ends up being ahead of the agreed-upon timeline uh, uh, and deadline that the Pac-12 had internally among presidents and chancellors for, for media deals to be proposed, once that occurred, all bets were off. And I felt, well, either they're going to have to pounce immediately and that this deal, whatever this deal was, that they were set to offer to 10, that they're going to offer to 9 with the understanding that SMU will be next, and it'll be instantaneous, and that's the path forward. And then you can talk about whether or not they had San Diego State and someone else for 11 and 12 a year later. But I, once Colorado did leave, that's when I felt that it was so tenuous and so 50-50 uh, at best at that point. And then, when you obviously, when you started to hear mid through last week when certain details of what was proposed by way of the Apple deal started getting out there, I knew there was no way. There was absolutely no way. Because I had talked to athletic directors across the league. But, you know, and I know they, didn't, weren't, they weren't the ones with the votes. The presidents were. But I had talked to ADs across the league throughout the basketball season, throughout this winter, and said, would streaming only be tenable? Would that be acceptable to you? If uh, whoever the streamer is, if that company came forward and wanted exclusivity and, and paid a premium to do it, no matter what the number is, would that be okay by you? And across the board, enthusiastic as everyone was and about streaming and that that's going to be the future, not a single person that I spoke to in the league <laughs> said, oh, yes, please sign us up for streaming only. So as soon as the details started to come out that that was the case, like I say, midway through last week, I knew there was no way Oregon or Washington could accept that. Bedlam is going away, at least for now. feels like there's some egos uh, getting in the way, preventing them from scheduling that game in the future. What's the future of the in-state rivalry there in Oregon? It's the unknown at the moment. Both uh, Oregon and Washington, both in their releases and from their presidents and their athletic directors, and at least with Dan Lanning, I don't believe Kalen DeBoer was, was asked specifically about the Apple Cup. Uh, but everyone has so far stated that their preference is to maintain those rivalries for Washington, Washington State, for Oregon and Oregon State uh, in, in all sports uh, that they compete in. Yes, in football, and that for Oregon's purposes that they want to continue it. They want it to be home and home. They want it to keep going. Uh, now for basketball, I'd imagine it will probably be once a season. I don't think that they'll do uh, home and home non-conference games in men's and women's basketball, but be that as it may, I'm sure they'll figure it out. Uh, will it be a challenge, particularly on the football side, for the reasons I could outline with Bedlam right now? Some of these schedules are set way in advance. Yeah, so that will be a bit of a challenge. That said, 
with all of this realignment, there's a whole lot of schools, uh, <laughs> Utah specifically being one of them, for example, uh, that now that they're joining new leagues, uh, non-conference games they have scheduled for as soon as next season uh, are now conference games. So that comes off the schedule now. So for Oregon's purposes, yeah, their non-conference schedules on paper appear to be set for the next five years, but that includes FCS opponents in each of the next five years. And it's unclear so far, you know, only a couple of days officially into this, whether or not they'll be required to uh, get out of any number of those non-conference games, if the Big Ten will force that, if the Big Ten will say, well, it's an existing contract, we're not going to mandate it, uh, or if just by preference, uh, they, you know, Oregon just says, the heck with it, we'll, we'll cancel it, we don't, well, nobody has the forces, we'll just do it. We'll see. Um, there's a, a slight caveat for how the Big Ten allows FCS games to continue right now. But bottom line, there'll be openings. There'll be ways to figure it out. Um, it's lower in the relative pecking order, but the preference from Oregon's perspective is to maintain that series in, in all sports. About 90 seconds left, James. When you look at this move through the Big uh, the Big Ten, and you know that the, the expanded college football playoff coming next season, did Oregon – really increase their chances of being part of the playoff year in, year out, now that they're going to have to play USC, Michigan, Ohio State on a more regular basis? Would they have been better off from that perspective, staying in a weaker Pac-12? Guys, you're in the SEC. I covered the SEC for six years. Okay. You can point out ease of access and and relative competition, no doubt. Let me ask you something. The first time a Pac-12 team lost, particularly in a non-conference game, if it was ever against an SEC team, what were you all saying? It's over. Thank you. <laughs> Washington yeah. lost to Auburn. What happened? It's over. Season over. So, no. No. It, 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 I'm sorry. Staying together in a weak conference without the L.A. schools, the only way, the only path that was viable in the eyes of everybody, when the SEC was growing to what it was, when the Big Ten's growing to what it was, and a 12-team playoff, the only assurance that I thought there existed was the Pac-12 champion. And that Pac-12 champion was going to have to be no worse than a two-loss team. They'd have to be 11-2. and two. And after that, all bets were off. So, no, I, I, hey, you're in the SEC. Nobody down there is afraid of competition. Not Texas and Oklahoma joining the league. Not Arkansas or Mississippi State or Ole Miss with those teams joining the league. That's, that's the way going forward. And guess what? I think we're all going to redefine – what success is with this increased competition across the board and with the expanded playoff that, you know what, a national champion might have multiple losses in the future, and that's going to be okay because they're still going to get a crystal ball. Uh, James, excellent stuff, man. We really appreciate your time this afternoon. This uh, That was really good, and uh, we thank you and keep up the good work up there. Thanks, guys. That was James Crepia joining us on the Farm Bureau Guest Line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. We'll react to, to some of what he said when we come back. Also, a lot of stuff we got to get to today. Just stuff happening uh, all over the place. It's that time of year, which which is a very good thing. Got a lot to talk about today. Glad you guys are with us. 601-879-4395 is the text line. I'm Borky. He's Hey Dad. We will be right back. You're hearing Sports Talk Mississippi. What? What? This is so awesome. On Super Talk Mississippi.
I'm Borky. He's at at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Glad you guys are with us. There's some sports media news that, that just broke. It happened all at once. Um, most of you, if not all of you, are familiar with Barstool for one reason or another. Barstool built a, a massive... sports. Calling them a sports media company isn't exactly the best way to describe it, but they are... As Richard and I talked about, uh, I think when Haydad was off, th- they're getting into the airing games game. Mississippi State played in a barstool mm-hmm. event in basketball. Uh, they did a Corn Ferry Tour event. That- that's a thing that they're doing. But it is, uh, or the genesis of it was sports-based uh, humor and commentary and stuff like that. And they were wildly, wildly successful and popular. And the owner, Dave Portnoy, sold the company, not in its entirety, but but sold to Penn Gaming. And they did a sports book and all that stuff. Well, that deal has been reversed, basically. The head, the founder of Barstool, Dave Portnoy, bought his company back from Penn, who has now partnered with ESPN. So now ESPN is going to have branded sports books. Online sports books around the country, not in the state of Mississippi. Pearl River Resort is the place to go place your bets on sports. Sports book at Timeout Lounge. That's the place to go. You you won't be able to access the online sports book from ESPN anyway, but if you've got the itch, that's the place to go do it. Looking forward to going back there here in the near future, of course. But I mean, ESPN has abandoned the the journalism game a long time ago with who they fired and who they've kept. But you no longer are a news organization if you are a gambling company. You're not. That's gone. Yeah. Interesting that ESPN's a sports book now. I'm su- I'm surprised, but kind of shows you what their financial situation's been like. I think. Yeah. Portnoy buying, you don't hear about that very often. I bought back my own company. I told you in the break, it, it's not the same, but it reminded me of when Vince McMahon bought WCW. You like, I, I bought my own competition. But, you know, like, he's and now he's 100% in control. So, you know, I, I imagine one of his first orders of business will be to bring back friend of the show, Ben Mintz, uh, who, you know, Penn basically dictated he had to be hired or fired uh, after the uh, the incident that he had. Uh, a few months ago, but Portnoy is pretty adamant that he didn't want to do that. Um, and then if you're a person who's like, oh, gosh, Barstool, I, I don't know about them. They're kind of vulgar. They're kind of risque. Well, it's just going to get worse now. Yeah. <laughs> Portnoy's running the show. It's it's just going to get – you just thought there were a lot of F-bombs before. It's going to be really bad now. They're just going to go back to what they were. Brandon Walker. Yeah, yeah. I'll be up the Brandon Walker be up there and bleep this and bleep that and I'm gonna say whatever I want and talk about terrible things and give you all my picks that never win and give you all my uh my rec- restaurant recommendations that aren't any good. I'm gonna cut that and tweet it at him. You send it right to him. You tell him I said it. Oh man. So for whatever that's worth to you, that's going on out there. One question on the text line. Yeah. So Oregon State, back to our interview with James Crepia. Quote, wasn't in yeah. the club? Nope, and they are still not nope. in uh, in any club. 
Dan says, I enjoyed that They were interview. at the dive bar down the street from the club. Yeah. They were not even near the club, blocks away. And as we say all the time, they're good. Like, the, they, it's a yeah. it's an up-and-coming program. They've got a good but they're coach. small. Like they were good last year, but... They're small. Yeah. They're on a national name. They, it, it, it's just as simple as if Phil Knight had gone to Oregon State, this would reverse itself. Yep. I wondered. I wondered what that uh, what that was like for him. Like, do you think he considered Oregon State? I mean, could you imagine the trajectory? College of the sport age, right I, mean, now? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that's one of those butterfly effects things. You know, yeah. like imagine Oregon State having God can only imagine the shades of orange all their different jerseys oh. would have been through the year. Oh, jeez. No, don't. Probably, probably, we're probably better off with green and yellow than we are orange and black, and trying to make that work. I still cannot wrap my mind around the ACC having a meeting today to discuss the possibility of adding Stanford and Cal. I I don't understand. It makes absolutely no sense to me whatsoever. They add nothing in the two sports that matter financially. Nothing. They are poorly attended, not good football programs. I know Harbaugh had a nice run, but some, I mean, poorly attended, bad football programs, and pathetic basketball teams. Well, yeah. I mean, hold on now. Hold on. Hold on. You said they had, Harbaugh had a nice run. They had a good run there. Uh, David Shaw kept that going. For a while. And even before that, Stan- Stanford had some good teams in the in the late 90s. Well, you know, they, they've been a the decent football program. In 99, I I'm, just, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to tell you. That you know, yeah, they, they 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 fell off there for a while, but they had some good teams. I mean, Bill Walsh got his start there. I mean, John Elway went to Stanford. Yeah. I mean, they, they they got some some tradition there, but not anymore. And they, Stanford Cal is, I mean, you know, one of the great rivalry games. It has maybe the greatest college football moment of all time man, in its history. Out of the field. That's a that's I mean that's an, that is look. We'll see hail marys. We'll see tip passes. We'll see crazy plays. We may, we will probably never see the band is out on the field ever again. No. no so sure. you know, Cal, Cal, and Stanford have had great players through the years. And again, you know, we talked about this the other day. If you're a Cal fan, I mean, this stinks. Yeah. Like you've been playing USC and Washington your whole life, and now you're getting ready to play Boise State and San Jose State in a conference game. Yeah, I expect that merger to happen with the Mountain West. That, that I think the ACC is going to get smart and realize. Okay, they don't add anything of value in football and basketball. And are we really going to send our women's basketball team on a cross-country flight for a Wednesday game? Are we really going to do that? And then they got to turn around and get back for a Sunday game? Are we really going to do that? Because with all due respect to women's basketball, they work really hard. They don't make money. So we're losing money on this sport by the millions. Spoiler, by the millions. And we're really going to get them on a flight across the country where after their game that will tip tip off at 9 o'clock Eastern, they get back on a plane, and because it's college sports, they got to go to class the next day. So they'll get in at 6, 7 o'clock in the morning, and they got a class at 9? Are we really going to do that to these young women? No. It, it's very stupid. And I know... Like they they'll figure out football. They, they will figure that out. Football always happens on Saturday, um, sort of. Always. Yeah, that's not an issue. And and that makes money. So so they can stomach the idea of, well, they'll get back on Sunday and they can all the extra stuff that comes with it. That's fine. But it's sending your volleyball team on a Tuesday, literally across the country. You might as well fly to London, England, 
and player games there. It's equidistant. So the, the whole thing is stupid. But anyway, back to the, back to the text line. Dan in Hattiesburg says, I enjoyed that interview. I did too. He was good. Thought the same thing when I heard that they were streaming on Apple TV. Yeah, the, the second that became their most viable option, it, it was over. James is right. It, I stream stuff, but people that exclusively stream are in the vast minority. It, 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 the technology, it's not there yet. And honestly, streaming's not, it's lost all its momentum. It's not even really like a super popular thing, and it's not overtaking cable like people thought. That was a no-go. It was never going to happen. That, that was never going to work. It works for the MLS. Not going to work for major college football. Correct. Which you can watch no chance. For- no chance whatsoever. I mean, I mean, the, especially, you know, the West Coast isn't the most college football place. It just isn't. It's, more, it's a lot more NFL. They love the Niners out there, the Seahawks, the Rams, the Chargers. The Raiders, too, especially. And... People down here in the South, like, how do I find Pac-12 games? I'm flipping through games, and I, oh, okay, Oregon's playing Washington right now. I'll watch that for sure. You know, oh, it's Pac-12 after dark, after, you know, the SEC game ends, and they just roll right into Washington State versus Arizona State. Yeah, sure, I'll stay tuned. But if you're telling me that i got to have a specific app and i got to boot that, Brian Haydad is too old for that discussion. Right, and I yeah. stream stuff. I, I, you know, you got you guys know I'm a big soccer fan. I you, most of the games that I watch are on Peacock. Uh, the Champions League is on Paramount Plus, so I do stream stuff. But it is a bridge too far. I just want to be able to flip channels and find college football games. I'm going to be old school on that on yep. that account. And, and you are in the majority for sure. Uh, we get this message: yeah. uh, Delbert Hoseman and Chris McDaniel were kind of like WWE, which is sports. Yet yeah, no. But it's true, though. It's true. They cut promos on each other all, all year long. I, you know, I can't believe that some of that stuff works on people. Like, like, I know somebody that has been basically harassed in their text messages. And I keep thinking, does that work on anybody? Like, you send them ten texts in a week. Like, Maybe eventually you just break and you're just like, all right, all right, I'll vote. I'll yeah. vote for you. All right. just stop. If you stop sending me the text, I'll vote for you. Oh, man. We got uh, one picture of a gif of a beaver saying, whoa, hold up, putting his hands up. That was funny. Made me laugh. Poor Uh, guy. Yeah. Lucas in Union. And you're right. He said the Mississippi State basketball game that Barstool did last year was good. So was the golf tournament. They've got something there. And we'll see if that continues. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Their bowl game was good. The bowl game was good. Keep texting us. 601-879-4395. That's the ceasefire text line. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. So the NCAA is trying their hardest to get a little bit of power back. Uh... There's a wide receiver at North Carolina named Tez Walker. He was previously at Kansas State, or excuse me, not Kansas State, Kent State. Caught about 1,000 yards worth of passes last year. Really high-profile transfer player, and transferred in part because they thought 
that his waiver was a no-brainer. He's not the only one that had their waiver denied today either. Uh, So his story is that he was at North Carolina Central first before he went to Kent State. And he never played at North Carolina Central, not because of anything he did. No injury, no academic issues. COVID. North Carolina Central didn't play football while he was there because their season got canceled. So he transferred to Kent State. Played well, but really well. He's from North Carolina, by the way, from the area, from North Carolina. Played well, played really well. His grandmother, who he said in his statement raised him, fell sick. She's she's ailing, can't travel to see him play anymore. So he wanted to transfer to get back home, and I assume, if we're being honest about the situation, to play a higher level of football, because he couldn't. So he transferred to North Carolina before the NCAA announced that they were going to start cracking down on waivers and the two-time transfer thing is dead. So he enrolled at North Carolina before the NCAA said, don't transfer twice anymore, for what that's worth. They denied his waiver today. Transferring closer to home. Did not play at his first school because of things that were outside of his control in any way. And they still denied his waiver today. What does that mean? Well, there's a handful of Ole Miss players I know, both in basketball and football, that are seeking waivers. Yeah, the two football players like just transferred to Ole Miss. It always kind of felt like a long shot anyway. And they got a couple of basketball players seeking out waivers. So what that tells you is don't expect much from the NCAA because this story felt like a slam dunk and he didn't get his waiver. So if he's not getting one, less impactful applications are probably not getting passed either. You almost got the cornerback from Miami, and then there's another linebacker. I can't remember. There you go. And 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 he was kicked off the team. Correct, and we don't we don't know exactly what for. We just know that he was dismissed for the team. Let's just be clear about that. Um, so yeah, it does seem unlikely. Yeah, and what's funny is when those guys were transferring in, you know, you saw some people on Twitter getting a little bit ahead of themselves, thinking, "Oh, they'll be approved." And yeah, I think one thing the NCA can do to start getting some credibility back, and I know what you're, you're the story we're talking about. It's a hard story, right? I mean, the guy's yeah. grandmother, you know, is, is ill. But start following your own rules. You know, if your rules say that you can't get a waiver, then you can't get a waiver, and, and we're sorry. It's it sucks, but that's life, guys. Sometimes in life you can't get a waiver. Sometimes in life you can't get what you want, and you just have to, you know, you have to follow that. I think the NCA loses respect sometimes because it feels like it's whose line is it anyway? It feels like you know the rules are made up and the points don't matter, and. They just sort of fly by the seat of their pants, and this guy gets a waiver, but this guy doesn't. And we we don't really have an explanation as to why that one guy did and one guy didn't. So, by following your own rules, if you, if that's the rule, the route they're going to take, and it's been interesting seeing this new NCA uh, president, Charlie Baker. Mm-hmm. I think he's slowly coming to grips with how ineffective and how kind of useless the NCA is. He's talking about conference realignment and how bad it is. Buddy, your organization can't do jack about that. Not right. not a thing, except sit and watch. So I think he's starting to get the, the, the feel of that. But, yeah, us following your own rules would be a, a great start for the NCAA. It would. And I hope because you talked about the ineffectiveness. As a, as a politician, he was very effective. He had the highest approval rating as a governor in the country in a state that 
really leans opposite of, of what his political affiliation was. I mean, he was a, a very well-liked, highly effective politician, and so maybe there's something there. I, I hope that they take this a step further and, and try to regulate the portal more often because the fact that a player mm-hmm. in a four-year window uh, can have eight free agency periods is a joke. And and some people will say, well, then, like, this guy's just going to sue the NCAA. Well, then fight it. Fight it. You have rules. Fight it. And if you lose in court, you lose in court. But if you want to exist as an entity, as much as this sucks, this story sucks that he can't play. Because I think he should be allowed to play. But enforce your rules. Take some power back. Because the players don't have this much power in the National Football League, which generates billions of dollars of revenue a year. And there's far fewer teams. Patrick Mahomes, his current contract, which is going to grow, is half a billion dollars. And he doesn't have as much power as college football players. It's a joke. This is a starting point that might be encouraging to calm things down a little bit. But it is possibly to the detriment of Ole Miss, considering the amount of waivers that they're seeking basketball. They're looking for two. Apparently one's got a chance, one less of a chance in football they're seeking two. If we have to hurt Ole Miss to better the sport, I say we do it. (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) 601-879-4395. is the text line to be a part of the show. We'd love to have you. Uh, College football thing. A tradition is coming back to college football. We'll tell you what that is when we come back at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Mm, From the flatlands of Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Every minute worth waiting for. Super Talk Mississippi. You know, the more I think about it, by the way, I'm Michael Borkney's Brian Haydad Richards kind of off today. He did Gallo this morning. He'll be back tomorrow. About this ESPN deal. ESPN getting a sports book. They're, they're, they're offering a sports betting platform. Is that not a massive conflict of interest? Not only do they air all of these games that, that you're going to be betting on, but they have all of the insiders, right? Adam Schefter breaks all the injury news. Woj breaks all the injury news. Adam Schefter breaks all the trade news. Woj breaks all the trade news. Jeff Passan breaks all the trade news and the injury news. They've got the people that know the information before anybody else. And those people will now work for a sports book. Does that not feel like a, a huge conflict of interest when ESPN now, ahead of time, will know who's injured, Who's not? They can adjust the lines, and then it gets reported? Now, they may not do that, and they may be great people running it, but the illusion of the ability to do that is a serious problem. They had an issue like this a few months back with the NBA draft. Yeah. uh, With uh, with Shams, where he, uh, I forget exactly what he reported, but it, it ended up shifting around. Some people, some uh, some some draft odds on who was going to be like the second pick or the third pick or something like that, and you know it it was it was an issue. So that's it's going to be you know we've been talking a lot about uh, gambling and college football and you know the the what teams are going to have to do to keep that under control. ESPN is going to have that same issue. They're going to have to 
be very careful and you know who works with the gambling side of things and who doesn't because what you said is correct there is going to be a, you know an, almost an illusion of insider trading uh, going on when a line moves and then five minutes later you know Adam Schefter is telling you that somebody's out with an injury you know there's there's going to be some like okay wait a minute how did how did they know what what happened there so Somebody asked, doesn't Fox have a betting app? I, I don't know, but they shouldn't. If you are producing the product, it, it, oh, man, that, that is fascinating. It, it, I, I don't know how you can continue as you are offering sports betting. I don't know how you can do it. Because everybody knows how that, that game works. Schefter doesn't just get one message and then regurgitate it. Like, like he knows ahead of time. Never seen a depth chart with an oar on it before. Yeah, that, that goes to show you that NFL people know literally nothing about college football. They don't pay attention to it. Like, like I've seen one with four oars with a quarter at one position. Yeah, Schefter today, for for whatever it's worth, put put online that he because Tampa has a quarterback competition between Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask, which. If you're a Bucks fan, God bless you. But um, yeah. they put an oar on their first depth chart. And Schefter said, I've never seen an oar on a depth chart before. And I was like, you're going to get a dozen or more with Ole Miss's first depth chart here in a few weeks. Yeah, like every college football reporter in the country, this guy included, sent him something. It was basically like, here, have a look at this. I sent him State's 2016 uh, week one depth chart that said Nick Fitzgerald or Damian Williams or Elijah Staley. It's like, yeah, just how it is. That's, that's fascinating, man. So uh, we get this message. They do. I just checked. They've had it for a couple years. Well, then they shouldn't. But the thing is, Fox Sports isn't breaking news like ESPN is. They don't have a Woj and a Schefter yeah. and a Passant. They don't have those guys. They, they do commentary. That, that, that's a different deal. Uh, if you're if you're commentating on games, then fine. But if you have insider information about something that will directly impact those games, and your employer is offering lines on those games, that is a direct conflict of interest. Uh, yeah. You can't have it. At least I don't think so. It's a good question here. Do y'all think the movement? slash realignment of the Power Five conferences affects Southern Miss or the Sunbelt Conference in any way? That's a good question. I don't think so. You know, the Sunbelt is a great group of five conference. I mean, I, the only way it could affect it is they could pick up some teams maybe when the ACC invariably falls apart. You know, is, would Wake Forest be a candidate for the Sunbelt, something like that? Um you know, I, 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 that, that's the only thing I can see there. I feel so, Southern Miss and, and the Sun Belt are very well positioned to be one of the strongest group of five conferences, and they could pick up some stragglers from the Power Five as other conferences sort of break apart. And, again, it goes back to sort of what James was talking about, and, and we've talked about it before. The Sun Belt has done such a good job of focusing on, on regionality and picking their fan bases and not necessarily picking TV markets and worrying about that. It's just a, it feels like it's a strong conference. It's for the same reason the SEC does. They're kind of all together. You know, it makes sense for the schools in Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, South Carolina to be playing each other geographically. 
Whereas when you look at the Big Ten, you're like, wait a minute, there's a team in New Jersey and a team in Oregon. Like, what is that? That doesn't make any sense to me. So and I think I think the Sun Belt is very strong right now. And like I said, you could see you could look up in a few years and Wake Forest, Duke, uh, maybe even a, a team like North Carolina State could be in the Sun Belt. Yeah. What what you you would fear, I guess, would be the Sun Belt getting teams poached when the ACC because the ACC is not going to look like it currently looks at some point in the future. They're not going to stick together forever, whether they can get out of the grant of rights or not. Florida State and Clemson will be leaving the ACC. So will North Carolina and probably Virginia or Virginia Tech. At some point, they will be leaving. They are not going to continue to exist as is moving forward. Not going to happen. I guarantee that. So maybe whatever's left of the ACC would poach some from the Sun Belt. But hey, that's exactly right. The Sun Belt is... It's as as strong as a Group of Five conference can be in the era of volatility. It is in very good shape right now. Yeah, and then like you know, who, who would they the ACC want to pick off? You know, Coastal, maybe App State, depending uh, App State, Marshall. But do you want maybe? another North Carolina school in your conference? That's why. That's what we're getting at. Yeah, it's like. I don't know. I feel like the Sun Belt is much more likely to pick up some pieces from a uh, depleted and and departed ACC than it is the other way around. It's in really good shape. Uh, the the conference yeah. leadership has done a great job. It, it makes sense regionally. It's got good brands filled with fan bases that care. And like we talked about earlier in the week, you know, there, there's no LSU in the Sun Belt, of course not. But it doesn't mean that they don't have a bunch of fan bases that really care and are invested in the sport. The television deal is good. It's good. People watch the games when they're on. Doing the midweek thing that they're doing this year is a really good idea. It sucks for the fans that that actually go to games in truth. That does suck. You hope that your midweek game is on the road. But but people watch those, which means more money for you. Sunbelt, man. It's good football. It's in good shape. It's in really, really, really good shape. They're in good shape. We need to do an oral history someday of, of all the people involved uh, of getting Southern Miss out of the Conference USA and into the Sun Belt. I mean, the sigh of relief after one they, of the smartest moves in, re, in in all these realignment things. That's one of the smartest moves that was ever made was getting was getting those teams into the Sun Belt. I could not imagine how it would feel today being in the CUSA. I could uh, terrible. Just uh, you wouldn't be happy. You wouldn't no. be happy. No, you would not. 601-879-4395. Did you know that Auburn hasn't been rolling Tumor's Corner for years? Did you know that? Yeah, because the, the, the trees had not taken root enough to handle the the whatever, you know, cuz cuz when they have the uh when they have to clean them off, it's, a, it's a, you know, there there's there's an issue there. So yeah, I, I did I did know that. So uh the, but tree, that's back now. the trees were removed in 2013 after gigantic loser Harvey Updike poisoned them back in 2010 and called the Paul Feinbaum show to admit to a crime uh, live on the radio. He got tracked down and arrested because, again, he's a gigantic loser. Uh, Literally the most unbelievable moment in SEC history. I, I, put, I put it right up there with everything else that's ever happened. It really is shocking still to think about to this day. 
And again, that's all we have a text line, loser. so we can we can scan the uh, the text, and if you commit a crime, we will not incriminate you here on the show. <laughs> Paul Feinbaum, no such thing, no such luck. They planted uh, new live oaks in 2015, but one of them was lit on fire somehow in 2016. So, since February of 2017, when two new trees had to be planted, because again, another gigantic loser somehow set the trees on fire. That's right, I forgot about that, yeah. They decided to wait years to allow the stress of the move, which is a real thing that happens to trees, uh, to to go away. And all the smart people have determined they can take it now, and the rolling of Tumor's Corner is back in college football. When we come back, I'm going to ask Haydad a question about that. Your, Your favorite traditions in college football, and does Tumor's Corner land on any list for you? But an in, in, in inspiration of that, what's your favorite? The quirky stuff that happens only in college football, like the rolling uh, of Tumor's Corner. How about a top five when we come back? Oof. 601-879-4395 is the text line. Don't go anywhere. Talk Mississippi continues. So the rolling of Tumor's Corner is coming back this year. I've seen it once, and to be honest with you, I bought a $5. To be even more honest with you, I was at an SEC football game. I had had a few. And there were the guys that walk around Tumor's Corner that were selling rolls of toilet paper for $5. And, buddy, I handed him a $5 bill, and I got a roll of toilet paper, and I rolled Tumor's Corner. Um Five dollars. I mean, you get a whole pack of toilet paper for five bucks. Come yes, on, Morky. Think. You know, I, I I was twenty, and there, there was no thinking uh, for me uh, that that night. But I I actually really enjoyed it. I thought it was really cool. Drove by the next morning, and it was far less cool with all the just toilet paper just all over the yeah. area. That kept, but it was really cool to see in person. It's not yeah. one of my top five though. Uh, off the cuff. Mm-hmm. What is yours? Gosh. It's tough. So, you know, first off, it's it's difficult for a fan of a school to appreciate other teams' traditions. Yeah. They, they really have to be good for you to go, that, that's cool. Because most of the time you're just like, that's so lame. It's so dumb, you know? Like you're, I mean, you're, you're, you guys roll toilet paper over trees like you're a bunch of high schoolers. What's wrong with you? So, you know, it's tough. And for me, a lot of what makes college football great, it, it, like the traditions are just like the stadiums and, and, and the bands. And, you know, like is LSU's band playing the first four notes of Hold That Tiger? Is that a tradition? Because if it is, that, that's on my so. list. I think so. I think that counts. So then that's that's on my list. Cause it's absolutely cool. The stadium, the way it, it just comes to life when they hear those notes it, it, it is something to, to behold for sure for me. So that, um, my wife would tell you that to put this on the list because she is a band nerd. But the Ohio, the script, script Ohio, Ohio and dotting the I. I mean, she the first time she saw that she was mesmerized. She was like, "You have no idea how hard it is 
to not only spell words but make a move like that, that is a lot of practice going on there. And I was like, okay, well, then it's a cool tradition. Um, you know, and another thing for traditions, like I love rivalry trophies. We talked about it a few weeks ago. I love all the, the Big Ten trophies. I love Floyd of Rosedale. I love Paul Bunyan's axe. Obviously, I love the golden egg. But, you know, that's one thing here in the South, like our, our rivalries, there's not a lot of trophies. You know, you have the, the boot for LSU Arkansas, but that thing's going to kill somebody one day. That's like a 250-pound, you know, guillotine waiting to happen on somebody's neck. You know, and they took away the bourbon barrel from uh, Kentucky and Tennessee. So, I mean, there's just not a lot of great trophies down here in the South. The egg might be the uh, the best one. It's the best one um, in the South, the he- I think. Yeah, yeah. The hedges at Georgia, I mean, I don't know if that's a tradition or not, but I count it. You know, I, I, I when I hear between the hedges, I know what I'm doing, right? Yeah. I know we're watching a Georgia game. Okay. You know, I, I like that. Um, so, that, you know, that, that, those are just, just some of them, you know. Maybe it's not the tradition. Maybe tradition's not the right word for what I love about it. It's the pageantry. I love that word, by the way. The pageantry of college football. So, but that's what that's what a lot of what it is. You know, you see the the fans tailgating out there and all their colors and all. You know, you, you see the walking into the stadium and everybody has their own little thing that they like to do before they get into the stadium. Or what time? Some people are like, "Hey, I have a time that I get into the stadium, and if I'm not there, they're going to lose at that time. I got to be there at that time." So. You know, all those little things combined are what makes college football great for me. So it's tough just to pick certain things from certain schools because I love them all so, so very much. Loved that answer. That was a great answer. Um, Thank you. My, my number one, and it's new, but, but it's... <laughs> Somebody said I forgot the Magnolia Bowl trophy. No, I didn't. <laughs> no. no, absolutely not. Uh, that thing needs to be set on fire. Um, my favorite, it, it's new, but... It's beautiful. It's the Iowa wave. It is just so stinking cool. When, when the kids are up there on one of the highest floors of the children's hospital and they've got signs and they've got – now they've got the, these big, like, foam fingers, but they're full hands with LED lights around them so they can wave back and people can actually see them through the windows. That That, it's, yeah. that, that is beautiful. And they do it every game, and truly, it is it is beautiful when everybody in that stadium stops and turns to those kids up there that are fighting for their lives, and they wave at them, and it makes their day. It's incredible. Uh, number two is the the script, Ohio. The the precision in which that band operates is shocking. Like they look like drones. It's perfect, and it, uh, love that. It, that's just as you said, the pageantry of college football. Where else could you get a bunch of band nerds that could have 105,000 people standing and appreciating every step that they take like that. And then when the sousaphone, it's not a tuba, apparently, um, when they do that weird walkout thing and they, all that is just so incredible. Um, The running down the hill at Clemson, I think is my number three. When they've got on the video board, the buses going from the locker room around the stadium and they touch Howard's Rock, and they run down that hill. The balloons are kind of goofy Howard's to me. Howard's Rock is a good one, yeah. I love that. Um, the lone trumpeter at Georgia, I wish they would play longer. It's only just a few notes. I wish they would play longer, but when yeah, when you've got that's the, a cool one, though. that one rules. And then anything involving animals. So the Run Ralphie Run, I even like the Sooner Schooner, even though it's a goofy little trailer. I, I love that. Uh, anytime an animal is taking the field with the team, all of them, you, you put them all into one, 
and I love all, every single one of them that rules. So so that's my top five, I think. And and you could probably uh, – we'll see one on the text line. Army-Navy postgame. See, that's another just incredible yeah. college football thing where, where you just don't get that in any other sport. Uh, sing second, where after the game, uh, all those – what is it? So 85 plus 85, uh, 170 young men who yeah. – aren't going to play in the pros, who aren't getting NIL money, who have signed up to possibly die for us, are singing the fight songs, some crying with joy, others crying in sadness, and then they'll soon buy all that is just uh, is awesome. Um, yeah. Bubba from Meridian's got one I should have mentioned. Chief Osceola and the Flaming Spear. Yeah. It's a great one. That's really cool. We get this text. Uh, number one, the Grove. Hey, I graduated from Ole Miss. Number two, band pregame at LSU. <laughs> number three, this is a good one. This is the kind of stuff that Haydad's talking about. Just goofy college football stuff. At Texas Tech, they throw tortillas. When they score touchdowns, they throw. They, the, the students buy like dollar thirty packs of tortillas and throw Corn them up flour. in the air. I think they're flour because they're big okay. and, and they're white. Okay. But yeah. the Corn wouldn't have the same same you know viscosity for a throw. I don't yeah, think. and they fall apart easier. So yeah, yeah, you don't want that. Uh, he said number four, dotting the eye at Ohio State. Number five, watching Bama fans collapse after a loss. <laughs> That's not. It's not a tradition if you only get to see it once every two years. That's not a tradition. <laughs> you got to see it every game. We get one. The Texas A&M fans swaying. Yeah, saw Varsity's horns off because they're singing about Texas. Because so, they're weird. But that is a cool Sandman. I like Inner Sandman, but here's the thing. Everybody has an entrance. Some entrances may be cooler than others, but everybody has an entrance. The Ole Miss comes out to, uh, to it's not Cashmere, it's it's the, the remix of that song. I think yeah, Puff Daddy did it. Yeah. Uh, State comes out to For Whom the Bell Tolls. Everybody has a song that they come out to. So, like, I love it or say, man, and it's cool. If you were to say it's one of the best entrances, yes, but is it a tradition? It's not a tradition if everybody else has a version of it. It's an interesting to point. To me, anyway. I, I think you might yeah. get some dissension on the text line, but it's well stated. I might, but uh, it just is what it is. Somebody says West Virginia burning couches is their favorite tradition. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, and then the next message, isn't there someone that burns mattresses? It's it's whatever they can get their hands on at West Virginia. They'll light it on whatever fire. Whatever piece of furniture they can they can find. Somebody says the sonic boom. That's Calvin and Tupelo at Jackson State. That's a good one. Just everything they do. Yeah. But again, everybody has a band. Now, is, is the sonic boom the best band? Yeah, sure. You got no problem getting that out of me. But is a band a tradition? No. But something that the band does can be just yeah. So the, the, the script Ohio is yeah, but yeah. David says the Auburn Eagle. Now knowing now that he's okay, that mm-hmm. video of that bird flying into the window it makes me laugh every time. I see it. That's great. That's great. <laughs> oh, that I poor mean, thing. if you don't laugh, that happened against State too. That was what's funny. Just and then the noise, just the boom, is incredible. And then he keeps flying. He finishes guy, the flight. A guy today, as I was at Kroger, ran into a light pole. Just ran into it, backed up, parked his car, went in the grocery store. It didn't didn't phase <laughs> him, but it made a similar noise to that eagle hitting the window. And all that. By the way, that we haven't really mentioned cool, the greatest tradition 
We haven't mentioned the greatest tradition in all of college football. The cowbell. The cowbell. Come on. Come on. That's up to you. You're supposed to mention that, like right off the, the cuff. Exactly. No, no, I wanted to save it for last. So we've got to go to the break now. No more traditions to mention. We've mentioned the greatest one, so we'll we'll just finish it up here. Okay, Great stuff. We'll read more of these and then quickly transition into the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. We're a day behind, but we'll do Team 26 today. And that is Oregon, the Oregon Ducks, when we come back. It's Sports Talk Mississippi. Don't go anywhere. Super Talk Mississippi. Introducing to you Sports Talk Mississippi. If you're wondering if the SEC was making moves anytime soon, well, no statement can really tell you anything based on how things have gone lately. However, the commissioner of the SEC recently said, quote, we're in an enormously healthy place. We're not in the middle of current movement efforts. Translation, until the ACC can get out of the grant of rights, we're not adding anybody, so don't worry about it. That is what he's saying. That that they're going to, when the SEC expands, it's going to be east and up the Atlantic coast. And so until they can get out of their deal, the SEC's not adding anybody. And they're definitely not adding anybody for the sake of adding people like the ACC is uh, preparing to do. SMU now in their crosshairs. Okay. Sure. Whatever. 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 So if that comforts you or not. We got a lot of uh, suggestions for jump around at Wisconsin. That's a great one. That's a good one. That is a really, really good one. Somebody says the worst entrance is Dabo running. <laughs> when he when he sprints out ahead of his team, I find that really goofy. It's silly. It's really silly. Somebody says Oklahoma when they tip that horse wagon over is the their favorite. That does happen a good bit. They they do lose that wagon kind of often. And yes. Brent Venables lost that wagon um, last year. They hope that they can get it back. Charles says the Vol Navy is up there. That's a good one. It's a good one. Very good one. A lot of um, a lot of really good uh, submissions here. We appreciate you guys listening and hanging out, but we know that Haydad doesn't like when we get off schedule, so we're going to get right back on schedule with 100 teams in 100 days. This day is bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. This day is bananas. 100 teams in 100 days. Okay, ready? Three, two, one, go! It's the final countdown! We are technically 25 days away from the start of our college football season, but Team 26 is a good one, so we got to get to it. A lot of talk about them lately. The Oregon Ducks is team number 26. It's all right. It's fine. It's only fine. 
So when I say Oregon football to you, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Crazy green jerseys. Uniforms. Marcus Mariota. Um, Jameis Winston running backwards and falling down and fumbling the football. Throw the ball backwards. That's one. Yeah. Uh, that game in particular. I'll uh, never forget. Michael Dyer wasn't down. Michael Dyer wasn't down. Were you, you, are you aware, by the way, that there's like a whole internet subculture of people who have, believe that Michael Dyer was down and like have all this photographic, you know, that they believe photographic evidence and all this stuff that they're like, he was down. But he wasn't. It's, 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 it's like a real thing. Man. It's like the birds aren't real people. The birds aren't real people? I, I, they're not joking. I swear you couldn't get 100% of people to tell you that the sun's coming up tomorrow. You have some that are like, well, is it? I have to see it first. But anyway. Yeah, Oregon football, the thing that comes to mind, the, the goofy uniforms for sure. I'm also reminded of uh, a viral video that happened during an Oregon-Oregon State game. And an Oregon State student uh, was being heckled at the game. And she turned around and said, your mascot can't even fly, is what she said. And a lot of people made fun of her. They made a lot of fun of her. That's not true. But it is true. The kind of duck that the Oregon duck is 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 a duck that, if it flies, it's very short flights, like just to escape imminent danger to like fly back into the pond. They're too heavy. Their bodies are too heavy to have real flight. So they're not tech, they're not flightless, okay. but I, they don't fly. I get, it. I get it. And so she was right. Everyone was making fun of her. And anyway, but let's do you talk. remember when Oregon had the predator duck mascot? I do remember that. One of the worst decisions ever. <laughs> had a lovable mascot that everybody loved, looked just like Donald Duck, and they replaced him with a predator duck. It was incredible. Somebody called them the fighting like, as much highlighters. As, as much as we make fun of Ole Miss with the bear and the shark, the predator duck was ten times worse than either one yes, of those. It was. Dan Lanning entering his second season as the head coach at Oregon, just on a big contract extension. They, they're trying to get out ahead of, of people poaching him, and his buyout is massive. And, you know, he earned a big contract. And went 10-3 and last year, Bo Nix was unlocked and unleashed and was really, really good at Oregon last year. And too many people are attributing that to, well, it's not, he's not in the SEC anymore. No, he was a better player. He was a better football player and quarterback last year. Even though uh, you know Dan Landing's a defensive guy, whatever he's cooking uh, is working up there at Oregon. Although they're going to have to replace a ton on the offensive line. Bo Nix, I believe, loses four of his five offensive line starters from last year. Although the skill position's all back. Running back, back. Uh, two leading wide receivers are back. Tight end is back. Offensive line, though, going to be a bit of an issue, or at least don't have as many returning starters as you would hope on the offensive line this year for Oregon. That's not great. You know, that's that's not how you uh, you win games. You, you got to be good up front. And you know, Bo Nix, a veteran quarterback, and he can do some things with his feet. So it's okay if you're you know got some issue, a couple issues there, but. They're going to have to figure that out very quickly. I mean, Dan Lanning knows that that's, that's going to be the, the top thing to fix. 
their schedule this year. Portland State at home on that Saturday where our team starts, September 2nd. They turn around interesting non-conference game in Week 2. And, you know, we've brought up Week 2 on this show before because Week 2, quite frankly, the slate is better than Week 1. They're all great, but it's a little bit better. Uh, you guys will be focused on, on your teams and the games that you have. Uh, but this one, you know, might be on your radar as well. 4 o'clock Pacific time start. Oregon at Texas Tech, in, obviously in Lubbock, in Week 2. That's a big game for both teams. Yeah, I like that. And, you know, Texas Tech is an interesting team in, the, in this year's Big 12. You know, obviously, I don't think they can win it, but they can. You know, they they were so hot at the end of the year. They they, they got the bowl win last year. They, that's a decent team, and if it's in Lubbock, that's a tough place to play. They host Hawaii a week later, and then a game that's uh, going to be a little spicy going into it. You you had Coach Prime and Dan Landing trade jabs after Dan Landing was asked about Colorado joining the Big Twelve, and his response was. I mean, they haven't won anything since they've been here. Are we really going to miss not playing Colorado every year? They're nothing. Coach Prime didn't like that that game on September 23rd in Eugene. They're is nothing, gonna... he said. <laughs> it's going to be a little bit spicy. You're a bum. Yeah. Uh, it, will, it will not be spicy. It'll be spicy for about two minutes, and then the final score will be like 49-7. to seven. Feels like it. They get uh, Stanford in Palo Alto, which is technically Stanford now, by the way. Stanford has their own like zip code or whatever. So they're in Stanford on September 30th. They get a bye week. And then here's possibly the game of the Pac-12 this year. They are at Washington on Saturday, October 14th. None of our teams play that weekend. That's a game that you oh, got to watch. Yes, yes. Throw it on the list. Last year that game was was crazy. Oregon had it completely in hand and then gave it away Christmas style yeah. at the end of Washington. Uh Bo Nix got hurt in that game and it just it, they they were in total control and then they lost the game in the final minutes and that that ended up costing them big time. So yeah, Oregon Washington that's a good game. It's always a fun game. Those two teams hate each other too. Yeah, they do. Uh they There's hope- a lot of Oregon there's a Oregon, Washington, Oregon State. There's a lot of state Ole Miss LSU in that. Yeah. You have Oregon, who will, Oregon fans will tell you, oh, our real rival is Washington. My Ole Miss fans like to say sometimes, oh, our real rival is LSU. Then you have Washington, who's like, we don't care. <laughs> we just beat everybody. And then you have Oregon State, like, we have beaten you enough times yeah. that we are your rival. It's the, it's the same thing. It's just in the Pacific Northwest. They host Washington State on October 21st, and they turn around and go to Utah. There's another Pac-12 game of the year possibility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's in Salt Lake. Very Gosh, good. The Pac-12 is so interesting this year. They host Cal. It's a good football league. Why is it melting? Why know. is it falling apart? They host... All they had to do was find a way. That's it. And they refused. I thought about that today, by the way, a little bit. Like Apple's deal was like $23 million a team, right? Oregon is getting, I think, 30 mil for the next 10 years, 30 mil a year from the Big Ten, right? Because they're only getting the half share. So what you're telling me is that if the if Apple could have come up with 70 million more dollars, the Pac-12 would have stayed together. 70 million dollars to Apple is like 20 bucks to you and me. They got that laying around in the couch cushions. 
They could have kept the Pac-12 together, no problem, for another 70 mil. Host Cal, host USC, go to Arizona State, host Oregon State. We'll do the famous alums and all that good stuff when we come back. It's Sports Talk Mississippi. Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Are you ready? On the Super Talk app, supertalk.fm, and always on your local Super Talk Mississippi station. Rick Sankey is feeling himself a little bit today in this interview he's doing. I'm Borky. He's Haydad, by the way. Richard will be back tomorrow. He said, quote, the SEC doesn't need to be in four time zones to generate interest on the West Coast or really across the globe. Ooh. <laughs> that was an arrow shot north is what that was. Yeah. And the thing is? The South remembers. He's absolutely right. He's correct. Literally, he could like the SEC could drop like five schools and still be the most powerful and influential conference. If they dropped State, Ole Miss, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, South Carolina, nobody cares. Well, we care, but you know, All right? Nationally, they're st- they're still the most popular. They're still the biggest conference. Famous alums from Oregon, by the way. Plenty of them. Uh, Phil Knight. I don't know if we count him as sports or not, but. Uh, obviously, he's going to be number one. Sam Elliott, great American actor. Caitlin Olson, if you're a fan of Always Sunny, she's Sweet D. Everybody knows her. He's a crazy person. Uh, Ty Burrell from Modern Family is on there. It's uh, a good he's, one. He's on the list. Yeah, it is a good one. Um, and then beyond that, I mean, you got you know just a, just a mix of guys here. Stephen J. Cannell, the producer of my favorite television show of all time, The A Team. Throw him on there because love the eighteen. Okay, I'm really going to get made fun of. Uh oh, I haven't seen the eighteen. What's the eighteen? I mean, I, I, that that was the show that came out when I was a kid. So I mean, we're talking not even your parents might not have been married. Like, what year did your parents get married? Oh, I don't know. Do you know how how many years have your parents been married? We'll do the math. Uh, they are not. How? What year? How long had they been married? I don't I'm know. sorry. My, parents my, my dad was too. born in 61. That's all I know. Okay, so your dad in like 86 is a 25-year-old man. Yeah. Is he married? Yes. Okay. So like you you you, you were not even a, a sparkle in their eye yet. So, yeah, it's okay that you haven't seen that. They they made yeah. a movie though. They made a movie uh more recently with Liam Neeson and Bradley Cooper. Chris if we had a fourth guy, we could be the A-team. Well, you can, I mean, I'm sure they're streaming somewhere. If we had a fourth member of this team, uh, but Will East, I guess, could do it. We could have, we could be, we could be the A-team. Richard, see, but Richard, the problem is that Richard would not be the leader of the A-team as we know it. Because uh, we need, we need somebody to be that, to be Hannibal. We don't have a Hannibal Smith. Maybe Will East could be Will Hannibal East. I don't know. But Richard would be Templeton Peck, aka Face Man, because he was the you know the good look Face Man. He was the good looking guy that you know sort of like the con oh, yeah, Bradley artist. Bradley Cooper of the group. played that in the movie remake, didn't exactly, he? exactly right. I would be Howlin' Mad Haydad instead of Howlin' Mad Murdoch, and you get to be you know who you are, B. A. Borky. 
Yeah. Bad attitude Borky. Yes. I'm like, can I get you in a mohawk and about 10 pounds of gold chains? That's what I want. Oh, so that was that Mr. T? That was Mr. Yes. T. You're Mr. T in this. Yeah. And I'm I'm howling mad. Hey, Dad. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like uh, given Greenwood, Richard is definitely face. There, there you go. What you doing, sucker? There you go. That's you, Borky, right there. Oh, I love that. So I've seen, like, all these Will gifts East and to, stuff. To smoke I we need to get and also the bet you should if you can find it real quick the best TV theme music ever in my opinion and the best I can almost quote the beginning of it you know so it's great stuff oh I think I might have oh I don't have time to edit. you get it I think I had the uh... oh you don't need to edit it there's no cursing in it I will hope, hope. I'll add it at some point. We'll have, in the show. have it. We'll have it for the next. We'll have it for the college football thing. Well, Marcelo will love it if you if you play the A team music to bring us back from the college into the college football fix. I promise you that. We're going to talk college football with Brandon Marcelo. We will not. The only thing I'm going to say about conference realignment with him is the Pac-12 is falling apart, and they are interesting. And then we'll talk about the football aspect of the last year of the Pac-12, and then talk football things that. You know, stood out so far as training camp is going on across the country. Things like that. Not going to do realignment stuff with Marcel. We've done a lot of that today. We've done a lot of that this week. I mean, we are 25 days away from our team starting. We're 18 days away from week zero. Unless something new happens, let's just talk football with somebody. And then after that, in the college football playoff era, we're going to pick our all-Mississippi offense, inspired by something Peter Burns did earlier today. I'm not the historian that Richard is. We'll expand it out tomorrow. But in the college football playoff era, first-team quarterback, well, Peter did two, which I think is cheating, but that's okay. So we'll pick two quarterbacks, two running backs. He only did two wide receivers, a tight end, and an offensive line. An all-Mississippi team in the college football playoff era. We'll do that after we talk to Brandon Marcello, and he will be next. On the Farm Bureau phone line, check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Talk to Marcelo. We'll do the college football fix and more with you. And text us, 601-879-4395. We'll be back. Sports Talk. Sports Talk. Mississippi. I say sports fans. Now, here's more on Super Talk Mississippi. We go right back to the Farm Bureau guest launch. You got favorites.com and go with the home team, Brandon Marcello, 24-7 Sports, joining us right now. And, and Brandon, I promised, hey, Dad, that we wouldn't talk about conference realignment. We're going to talk about football with you. That's what you cover anyway, at least most of the time when you're not having to sit in on 
uh, Board of Regents meetings and stuff. But let's start with this. The Pac-12, in the midst of all this chaos and everybody getting out of town, they are seemingly the most interesting conference in college football. Maybe a tad hyperbole in there. But, man, what a fascinating league to be falling apart. Yeah, it's probably the best it's been in, in a decade. You know, never mind the incredible quarterbacks. There's like eight top tier quarterbacks coming back in the league this year, and 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 a one and a couple of new ones, including Shador Sanders at Colorado, that could be superstars. But there's some good defenses going to be played out there, and Oregon State might have the best offensive line in the entire country. They've got three All Pac-12 players coming back, four or five returning starters up front a group that protected the quarterback last year, and an offense that did very well in scoring 32 points per game, but they lack the explosive firepower in the vertical passing game, and they seemingly have gotten a way to improve that by adding D.J. Uyongole at quarterback. And that's a team that was picked fourth in the conference that won 10 games last year. Um, I think there's an incredible amount of um, – talent coming back, and potential there for the Pac-12 to finally get a team back into the playoff for the first time since 2016. And, um, you know, what's one heck of a way to go off into into the night as, the, as that league crumbles and goes away in December. And then from a player perspective, I mean, the quarterbacks in, in the Pac-12 are incredible. I think the Pac-12 and the ACC this year – there's so many great quarterbacks there. Obviously, Caleb Williams, Drake May. Is, is Penix your number three there, or is there another guy you like more than him? I love Michael Penix. Um, and to me, I think he's number two in the in the Pac-12 behind uh, Caleb Williams. I think Bo Nix is going to take a little bit of a step back this year with a new offensive coordinator. Um, just because I think Kenny Dillingham very much understood what made Nix go just some simple small tweaks that he made when he went in there, whether it's some half rollouts and doing some things to get him on the move after the snap. Um, but you look elsewhere, um, Arizona State's going to have, I think, a pretty good quarterback when all the dust settles there. UCLA with Dante Moore, the true freshman phenom who comes in there, is I think ranked number three or number four in our quarterback rankings, and is one of the top signees in UCLA history battling for a starting spot there in that dynamic Chip Kelly offense. So there's guys out there that we're not even really talking about that, you know, if they were starting, say, in the SEC, at, say, an Ole Miss or something like that, we'd be saying that, uh, you know, they were kind of in the middle of the league. But down in, in, in the Pac-12 country, they're probably in the bottom half of that league. And then sticking with quarterbacks, I, I saw an article today from 24-7 from Clint Brewster. He ranked every quarterback in the, in the Power Five. His number one guy in the SEC was Jaden Daniels. That's the first team all SEC quarterback. I don't have an issue with that. His number, his second quarterback in the conference was Devin Leary. How surprised were you by that? Is, is that, do you think that highly of Leary? I like Leary, but the, the injuries and also I think what you see is what you get from him because he's been in the, in, in the game for so long. I, I don't. I don't see him as being that guy, but guy goes to the NFL and has that big, long uh, success. But, listen, I'm not an evaluator of talent beyond college football. But, you know, looking elsewhere across the SEC, it is difficult to kind of go, who are the guys that project as NFL quarterbacks that are going to have some longevity there? Um, 
you know, I think there's a lot of excitement to be had there at Kentucky because you've got Liam Cohen coming back to call plays, Devin Leary. They're going to have a strong running game. The offensive line seemingly is always up to snuff and up to getting things done. Um, but, you know, how about this? I'll throw this name out there just because I get the feeling that he's going to surprise some folks, and that's Graham Mertz at Florida. I mean, Florida still has not announced him as a starter. And I know Billy Napier's still throwing it around there here in this last week or so that, hey, we still don't know who the starter is. We might decide after our first scrimmage here. But I heard good things about Mertz this past spring, despite what we saw on TV in that spring game. And I continue to hear that in this offseason. And I, I think that while Florida is not going to be a team that wins 10 games this year, quarterback play I think is going to be much more stable and better there with Graham Mertz this season. You've got a couple of, uh, whether they're real competitions or not, I guess is going to be the question here. In the state of Alabama, is it uh, so far of what you heard uh, going on in camp there at Auburn and, and in Tuscaloosa, is it as simple as the transfers are the guys, or is there true actual competition there that is still up for grabs? My understanding is that to Alabama, Jalen Milrow has a slight edge right now. Um, started a couple of games, as you know, last year in place of Bryce Young when he was injured. You know, they brought in Tyler Buckner from Notre Dame, who followed, of course, Tommy Reese, the offensive coordinator. And, you know, I, there was word coming out in this summer that Buckner may have actually been the third-team guy in, on a lot of books there. And the response by Jalen Milrow has been fantastic, I've been told, and has really done a good job, one, with his body, but also in digesting the offense and making good decisions out there here early in preseason camp. So I think he's got the slight edge right now. And then Auburn, I think it's Peyton Thorne's job to lose, the transfer from Michigan State, until you start seeing something else. You know, Harold uh, Grenier, I might be mispronouncing his last name, because honestly I've never really had to say it, but I got a note this morning saying that he has been pretty good uh, in the preseason camp there this so far, but they really want to see what he's going to be able to do now in a scrimmage and the potential of maybe going live with him when they do their first scrimmage here. Uh, this I think uh, maybe this week as early as this weekend. Didn't plan on staking with quarterbacks this long, but it's just an interesting topic because there's so many questions in the SEC and then there's so many talented guys outside the conference. Let's look at Georgia and, and Carson Beck, number one team in the nation in the uh, USA Today poll that came out yesterday. That's a big step for a team, you know, that's loaded everywhere, but we don't know a lot about their quarterback. Is it just sort of quote too big to fail there at Georgia? <laughs> I think that's the thinking from a lot of folks. And I've been saying, you know, I keep waiting to hear stuff from camp there or even this past spring and summer about when Carson Beck just made like five tremendous throws here. You just wouldn't believe in, in camp. And I haven't heard anything like that. Um, and I do wonder about the offense, if that thing is going to continue to be as explosive and as creative, especially in utilizing Brock Bowers. I mean, goodness gracious, guys, getting to see a tight end running jet sweeps. I love it. You know, what are they going to do to put those best playmakers out there to take advantage of them? And with the, the new OC and dealing with that, you know, what, what's that going to look like? And I, I, I think it's one of those situations we're just not going to know until they get out on the field because – you know, it's almost like, you know, I'm not saying Georgia's the dream team, but it's almost like the dream team when they're practicing for the Barcelona games, you know, where they're they're practicing or whatever, and, you know, they could just kind of have a warm-up, you know, in a scrimmage because they know what they kind of have, right? 
And then behind closed yeah. doors and the cameras are gone, they just have some fun. They actually get after it, get after each other. I, I just don't think we quite know what to expect there because they're not really showing much right now in preseason camp or, for that matter, this past spring. Week one, we've got LSU, Florida State. Week two, we've got Alabama, Texas. We all know those games are all circled on everybody's calendar. What's a game in the first two, three weeks that we're not talking about enough that you've got an eye on? Well, I'll I'll start week one and Thursday night game, Florida, Utah. Um, I think people are talking about it, but I think it's huge um, because that's a game that could put, you know, Utah obviously in the automatic hole and trying to get in a playoff spot, but also could help Florida suddenly be a contender in the SEC East and be a step ahead where they were last year at this time because Utah went in there and beat them in the swamp. That crowd is going to be nuts on a Thursday night in week one in Utah. It's probably one of the top two or three student sections of all college football. It's going to be insane there on Thursday night with that being the only big game in week one on a Thursday night. It's going to be fantastic to watch, and that's the game I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing um, and hopefully maybe fly out to and get to see live. Brandon, great stuff as always. A, a nice break away from the conference realignment stuff. Uh, I hope you can find a way to cover some actual football here soon. But we uh, we appreciate your time. Great stuff as always, and we'll talk to you again down the line. All right, guys. See ya. That's Brandon Marcello, 24-7 sports, national college football writer on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com. So it's like team. jumping in a pool. It's just like jumping in the pool, man. Just uh, I shook off all the, the realignment. Crap, I'll Crap. say it. And just and just I got got refreshed right there by my friend Brandon Marcello. That was lovely. Yeah, we uh, we needed that. And we appreciate him uh giving us some time. And we'll talk some more football when we come back. I, I'm going to do a, a little something just to to make you happy. And then huh? the all Mississippi college football playoff offense. When we come back in the Pearl River Resort Studio, I'm Borky He's Adak. Glad you guys are with us on this Tuesday. We'll be right back. Mississippi, your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. Let me put it to you this way. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky and Brian Haydad with you. Little thing to make you happy. Did the numbers earlier. Week zero, by the way, 18 days away. You get Navy at Notre Dame. That's at 1:30. Hawaii's at Vanderbilt. That's at 6:30. And if you feel like watching the Heisman Trophy winner, if you can find the Pac-12 Network, it's part of the demise of the league. Uh, Southern Cal is hosting San Jose State that night as well. There's other games, but those are the noteworthy ones. But that Thursday, August 31st, we'll be on the road that day. That'll be a fun show. Looking forward to that. You've got Florida, Utah, NSLC, Cam Rising's back healthy. Big, big game. But also, 
Nebraska's at Minnesota that night. That's on Fox, so you can do the two-screen thing and watch that. And you also, if you're into really diving deep, NC State's at UConn, which can get, you know, UConn's a bold team. NC State yeah. coming off kind of a rough year. so It that's, could be frisky. It could, it could be. be. frisky. handful of yeah. other games as well, but th- that's, man, that that is only 23 days from today. So there's uh, just another palate cleanser for you. That's what you have to look forward to inside of four weeks, just over three weeks from today. But right now, we're going to have a little fun. It's time for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealer. You only have a couple of Saturdays left without college football, so spend those Saturdays test driving an F-150 at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. It's been the best-selling truck in America for almost five decades. You'll find out why when you step inside one. That's why Richard keeps getting new ones. He loves them so much. Ford trucks and houses. Richard Cross is always getting new ones. But it's a heck of a truck. And you've got two weeks before football to get yourself one at your local <laughs> Mississippi Ford dealer. It's like crab cakes and football. New houses and new cars. That's what Richard Cross does. Richard, and takes days off. But anyway, uh, ah, ah. I definitely uh, did not take any days off last week. So I'm in, I'm in a very uh, appropriate position to take shots at other people for taking days off. Ball anyway. mates, ball mates. Uh, inspired by Peter Burns, friend of the show earlier today, he did it all the way back to 1992. Uh, we'll do that tomorrow. I, I'm just, I'm not the Mississippi historian in the same way these other two guys are. I'm telling you, I could pull it off. I, could, I bet I could, you could. I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't need the help. But we'll start with the playoff era. Peter laid it right. out, two quarterbacks, which I don't like because one quarterback would be a better debate, but two quarterbacks, yeah. two running backs, two wide receivers, a tight end, and... Offensive line, the all, yeah, all Ole Miss Mississippi State team. Pretty easy playoff when era. you make it into the playoff era. Pretty easy when you make it into the playoff era. So quarterbacks are easy. Dak and Corral is where I'm going. So you think Corral over Chad Kelly? Over Chad Kelly. I think so too. I, I do know Ole Miss yeah. fans that would debate that. Yeah. If you maybe go like a top, I mean, you've had good quarterback play through this. I would go. I'm trying to think who I would go. I, I guess I go Chad Kelly third, and then I'm between Fitzgerald and, and Rogers for fourth. But yes, Dak and, and and Corral, however you want to put them on there, is fine by me. That's my top two. Um, running back. Running back. I think one is currently so, playing. If if, yeah. if you can do that, uh, you know. And what's funny was I was thinking about this earlier today. And I was thinking in terms of the whole the ninety two thing, and I was like, "Do I put Judkins on there?" I was like, "No, just one year. You can't do that." But you give me another year like that for sure. But if we're just going to do playoff era, yeah, he's definitely the guy. Who's Judkins, two? Kylan Hill. Kyle, so his but, best year was he? He led the SEC in rushing in, in twenty nineteen. Yeah, has anybody else done that? I don't think so. At state, no. No, at, at, at either. Has anybody else? Well, Judkins. Right. He was the yeah. first selection. That, that's, those are the last two. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Aris Williams was, I think Aris Williams got over 1,000 yards. 
Josh Robinson was close to a thousand yards, but no, it, it's Kylan Hill. Yeah, I mean, you know, Jeff Scott was electric at Ole Miss, but yeah. I, I don't think as no. electric yeah, as those it, two. I gotta say, SEC leading rusher is that's just where you gotta yeah. go with. I mean, Jordan so. Wilkins had a, had a cup of coffee, a big cup of coffee, large one uh, in the NFL. But no, I, th- I think so. Wide receiver, two of them, and I think. So, if, is it college production or is it what they became? Because if it's college production, DK Metcalf is not one of your two. Metcalf, Metcalf's not going to be on there. I'm, I'm going to go two Rebels. I'm going to go Elijah Moore and AJ Brown. Ooh, Elijah Moore over Treadwell. Yeah, Treadwell was great at Ole Miss. It was great, but so was Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore has the greatest. Elijah Moore, I, it's it's you have he's so underrated. He has the all-time greatest receiving season in Ole Miss history in a season where he played nine games and they were all against SEC teams. I mean, if he had played a 12-game schedule where he got four non-conference, he might have caught 125 passes. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 yeah. Elijah Moore is going to go on my list. And then A.J. Brown. You know, Treadwell, I love Treadwell. Okay, okay, let me change that. I didn't love Treadwell. But I respect his college career. He was a great, great player. But I'm going AJ and more. I feel pretty good about it. Somebody said uh, somebody sent us clown emojis uh, with, with Metcalf. Uh, man, his college production w- was not on the level of of the it's guys not, that Adam mentioned. There. It's not there. He, he he was injured too much. Yeah, no question. I mean, he's I mean, having he a better career, NFL career than everybody but AJ. But that's yeah. that's not the same. Treadwell was a better college wide receiver. Uh, we got than we, we got to stop. Cabin. We got to stop here because y'all aren't listening to us. <laughs> it's the college football playoff era. Deuce McAllister and Dexter McCluster didn't play in that era. <laughs> Please, to. we're starting at 2014. We'll, we'll the expand college this football playoff era for for you guys that have been here longer uh, than me. Tomorrow, it's just I, I can't do no, back to ninety two. Yeah. I said I could do it. Deuce would be on my team. For sure. Yeah. And his record's about to get broken. Yeah, which is incredible. It's a four year record. It's going to get broken in two years, but it is what it is. All right. Tight end's an easy one. Evan Ingram. Seven Ingram. There's no, there's no question whatsoever. Not, I mean, and honestly, if we were doing this back to 92, I think he would probably, probably still be the guy. Maybe, maybe Rufus French, uh, Donald Lee from Mississippi State, but Evan Ingram is probably my answer. Some uh, a couple people asking about Dante Moncrief. I, I, I still so it's AJ. Still going. AJ's one again. Again, Moncrief's last year was twelve. Oh, it was twelve. He wouldn't play off era. He's out. Yeah, but still, I don't. I don't think he would be up there anyway. It just uh, yeah. y- your point about Moore's year playing nine games is a good one. Because I, I didn't think about that, but the yards he put up in those nine games against NFC only schedules insane. insane. Yeah. Offensive line. So a lot of Ole Miss flavor here. All right. So, so they did they did it where uh they just picked a unit, is what Peter Burns picked. I'm not gonna go that I'm not gonna go that route. I am gonna cheat though. Yeah. So I'll put two left tackles on there. I'm gonna I'm gonna move Tunsil over to right tackle. Sure. I feel like he's a little bit better at right tackle than Charles Cross would be. You would never That's where I'm going with my two give up a sack, ever. No, 
with those Ever. two tackles. No defensive. Your defensive ends are totally useless against those two guys. You're never, ever going to get a sack. You knew that Tunsil was beyond special <sighs> mm-hmm. when Miles Garrett was treated like a high schooler. When Tunsil I mean, Garrett it was happened. incredible. Yeah, and then the same way with, with State. I mean, they didn't even put Will Anderson over there. Not no. one play. Because what's the point? Uh, at center, I would go Elton Jenkins. That's a good one, yeah. Long time in the NFL. And then... My guards, I was well, some of this earlier. I was I had I had older guards like Gabe Jackson and Randy Thomas, mm-hmm. Everett Lindsay from Ole Miss. Do I move Greg Little inside? Can I do that? Can I make him a guard? I think so. All right, Greg Little's a guard with. Uh, I'm trying to think. State hasn't had another guy in in the playoff area. I mean, Ben Beckwith had a had a good year. Yeah, maybe Ben Beckwith. That Javon might be the one. Patterson or maybe the uh, NFL for Ole Miss. Yeah, yeah. So, so Beckwith was there. I was trying to think of. I had somebody in my my brain. Oh gosh, I had it from state. Dion Calhoun had a cup of coffee in the NFL. We missed we missed Gabe Jackson by a year. Here, so yeah, we did. Somebody uh, said Reggie Kelly, tight end. Show oh, some my... love, hey dad. Uh, his last year in Reggie college was... Kelly's last year was nineteen ninety eight, guys. I know what I'm doing. I promise I know what I'm doing here. We're gonna, I promise that I know. We'll, we'll take you back to 92 tomorrow. We'll take you back to 90. We'll, we'll get the history in here. I just I can't tell you who was on the 1999 Ole Miss team. I was seven, living in South Carolina. I just I, I don't remember. I can tell you all about them. That was a great – Tuberville left old Cutcliffe a team that probably could have won the SEC. Cutcliffe's first year was not his best year. It was not. Six zero one eight seven nine forty three ninety five is the text line. Get a handful of votes for for Dylan Day on there. Keep them coming. Dylan Day's good, but he's not as good as Elton Jenkins. Not as good. We'll be right back. Nothing brings people together and forms a lasting bond like sports. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your favorite teams like no one else. On the Super Talk app, supertalk.fm, and on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. Reese says, great, fun show today. Hey, Dad, you remember everything. You are kind of like an elephant, man. Oh, is that a fat oh, joke? No. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Not what I meant. Elephants never forget uh, or whatever the phrase is. Eh, something like that. I'm, I, I have. If I could remember important stuff the way I remember college football stuff, I would be the richest man in America. Or if I could just get on a college football trivia show, one of the two. This one, yeah. Dan Patrick used to do one, didn't he? Or still does? Sports Jeopardy? Well, he used to have the one on ESPN. Oh yeah, they used to have one on ESPN, Stump the Schwab. It wasn't a just college football, but I wonder what the Schwab's up to now. Is he still stumping people? I think he works I think he works for Fox. Hmm. I think. He's in the he's still in the sports business, I believe. People are having fun with you now, by the way. We get what about Arch, Archie Manning, yeah. guys? The one the one for KO Dotley made yeah. me laugh. <laughs> Love KO. Hey, that's one old Mr. Well I actually did like. He was a good guy and I knew his uh, family real well down in Vicksburg. Did you see? Did, I'm sure you guys talked about the Hall of Fame game, or did you on Friday? We talked. Yeah, we of course we talked. How much about of it, it did you watch? So I had it on. 
Does that make sense, right? Yeah. It's on. I'm looking up at it. I pulled the prank on my wife that I do every year. But other than that, I mean, I, I, I didn't pay much attention. So the Hall of Fame game, which was, again, last Thursday, all the other preseason games are, are getting underway this week. The Saints, by the way, on Sunday, going to play the starters, uh-huh. at least uh, in the yeah. first quarter, first half probably. So there's something to watch there. Very little, if any, starters played in the Hall of Fame game. You got uh, Kellen Mond versus Zach Wilson for the first quarter of that game. Lights went out. It was the Browns and the Jets. <laughs> I forgot that uh, Will East made a bunch of jokes about Zach Wilson's mom last week while you oh, were yeah. up. Yeah. Made some cougar references. Oh, jeez. Uh, her, her social media presence is something else. My goodness. It's something. <sighs> Anyway, 6.3 million people watched that scrimmage on Thursday night. Yeah. I watched three and a half quarters of it, technically. I I turned it in the fourth quarter. I was like, I don't care anymore. I'm turning this off. Yeah. But it was on. You know, they they can count my ratings. 6.3 million. That is three times the audience of the Egg Bowl. Huh? It's just unbelievable. And so when people, you know, there's all this realignment stuff's going on, and uh, I've had friends ask me, just like, hey, you know, ESPN is not exactly in a good way right now. Will they ever, like, will they ever fail when it comes to the SEC payouts and stuff? And my answer was no. Not not from that perspective. They, they, there may come a time where they stop doing studio shows and stuff anymore because they just can't pay those people. Like that, that day may come. Disney is screwing up everything that they touch because they, they're just not creative anymore. So they're just remaking and doing poor jobs of remaking a bunch of old stuff. But the live sports are as valuable as they've ever been, and they will continue and continue to be more and more valuable. It is the only thing on television other than, like, Fox News in terms of ratings, and that's not a political statement, by the way, in terms of ratings, viewership. Live sports is the only thing that people watch anymore on television. So you don't have to worry about the SEC's contract. Yeah, me too. I mean, I watched the USA Basketball Showcase game last night because... I watch a little little Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives every now and then. That's all right. That's a good show. Just to cleanse the palate. Yeah. People hate on Guy Fieri. He does ah. a lot of charity work. A lot of and good stuff. work. Yeah. We we need to get a remote. He's got a, re- a restaurant in Tunica now. Yeah. We need to, we need to get up there and uh, you know sample some of his wares. Go to Flavortown. I, that's what the name of the restaurant is. Is it it's Flavortown Bar and Grill? See, I believe. Yeah. yeah. I'm down. I'm so down. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, but yeah. So you don't have to worry if you're worried, and I don't think most of you are. But if you are, like. The failure of Disney and ESPN, will that impact the SEC's deal? No. Because college football, uh, it just gets watched, and it just gets watched, and it just gets watched. And as long as that happens, which it'll continue to happen, you're fine. Chiefs play on Sunday. Uh, another Mississippi. And obviously, we know about Chris Jones and Willie Gay. I don't know that Chris Jones is going to play. But uh, try, Ty Freifogel from George County will be in that game. He's trying to make that, uh, that Chiefs squad. I remember his dad when he was at Ole Miss. That's how old I, I am, that. by the way. His dad played yeah. at Ole Miss, and now his son is old enough to be an NFL player. On the Chiefs. So I'm going to go coffin shopping when we get off the air here. <laughs> Just go ahead and get ahead. You know, 
get a good deal on oak, you know, or pine. I don't know. I'm not like Tuberville. I don't need to be carted off in the pine box. But uh, so this, I guess, this is a little bit of a morbid conversation. But I don't understand the the wild spending on that. Like, just PSA. If I pass on oh, coffins, yeah, just put me in a cheap one. Oh, okay. It's gonna, it's gonna go on the ground and it's gonna deteriorate. It don't. I mean, I'm gonna tell my dad this, just make sure he knows in case something happens to me before something happens to him. Don't spend any money on that. Just put me in a plywood one. It doesn't matter. I could not possibly care yeah. less. I want to be beheaded before I'm I'm buried, just because I, if if something happened and I woke up in a coffin, I would I would be really unhappy for a little well, you while. You know, so rich people let's, are. Let's just make sure I'm dead. You know what rich people are doing, right? They're they're oh, they like a, when, when they're, they pass, they're putting like a system in there. They're getting their their heads removed and like frozen in a special thing because they are anticipating the technology Futurama. to come one day to like resurrect the human brain, and so they want to be there. We're for, gonna get for Richard Nixon. I mean, there's this company out there making millions and millions of dollars uh, on yeah. that. But yeah, it, oh, bear me something cheap. Dwayne says he can get me a good deal on a Batesville casket. I appreciate that. That's a good, that's a good, great name in the uh, casket business. Somebody says cremation is the cheapest. Well, then do that. No, so that's, that's the other way. That's the other thing, too. Like, what happens about midway through if I wake up? <laughs> I, just, you know, I just don't want to deal with that. It's Obviously, it's a ridiculous fear, but that's the point. I don't want to, de- I don't want to be like, oh, no. I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> so let's just get the guillotine out. Let's make sure we're, we're I'm gone, and then y'all do whatever you need to do. So we've gotten two messages, by the way. This one says, what about the election? No talk about our great state election. And another one, are y'all going to make a prediction on the governor and lieutenant governor's race? Gentlemen, this show is called Sports Talk Mississippi. No. I'll give you a prediction. I don't care. There's a prediction no. for you. We, yeah, hope up. But it came true. It wasn't a prediction. That was a spoiler. I don't. I don't mean to be rude. I'm sorry, guys, if you, if you took it that way. But I, absolutely I not. We, we will not be discussing the lieutenant governor's race on this show t- today or tomorrow. We will not be discussing the governor's race. You on this can show tune in tomorrow, tomorrow at six a.m. though for Gallo in the morning, and he will uh, be happy to uh, take care of that. Gallo and Gerard will we'll talk all the politics your, your heart desires. They've got. Uh, podcast feeds available if you want that. You're not going to get that here. I, I just there, there's there's no way, there's no way we're talking about the lieutenant governor's race on this show. It ain't happening. Not gonna yeah. not gonna happen. Uh, especially said, when, you know, make sure you're following uh, Super Talk News and right. uh, Super Talk Media on Twitter tonight. Keep up with the most up to date and. Uh, information on tonight's election so you know follow those guys on twitter our news team does such a great job and they'll have all that information for you and then again tomorrow on a uh, gallo and on middays with gerard all the recap that you can stand of a of a historic day here in the state of mississippi and then at three o'clock three buffoons are going to talk about sports it'll be fantastic and there we get a response richard was talking politics this morning on the gallo show not on sports on the gallo sports. show He's getting paid to do that. Um, it's not in my contract. I, mean, I don't have to talk. To, I don't have to talk politics. Zach says, if I hear another campaign commercial, I may throw up. 
I hear you. Stick to sports. Quit talking about not talking about the election. <laughs> ben from McComb. You're not wrong. <laughs> he did put a couple stars there and, and all that, but anyway. Apparently Richard said that there won't be any election talk on this show, so there you go. Ah, good. Good for He's me. right. He, uh, he is he, right. He that, Again, that was not a prediction. That was a spoiler. That was. Did you yeah. see the... the it was uh, a guarantee is what that was. <laughs> Oh man, I did I see what? Oh, the the Camaro suspension, right? Like you guys covered that while I was yeah, gone yeah we talked about it. We we had Luke Johnson on with us, and and we all in agreement that's about as reasonable and as positive as the Saints could have hoped for. Yeah, I am uh, so excited that my brain doesn't work like most people's. For some reason, the Camaro suspension news makes me more excited to watch a preseason game. Help me r- wrap my mind around that. I was kind of indifferent. Eh, I'll watch, but whatever. Now it's oh, like, well, Because now you get to see who's going to take over for Boom. him. You know, you know Jamal Williams is going to be there, but they had Kareem Hunt in today on a visit, and they're going to try to sign him. You're going to see the, the rookie, Kendra Miller, from TCU, who they're very excited about. Yeah. You know, that, when you have players out like that, yeah, you, the preseason takes over a little bit, little different, uh, little different uh, meaning. We get a good question here about Mississippi State's wide receivers. We will get to that when we come back. Yeah, camp's going on. Um, we'll, we'll do a lot of camp stuff tomorrow. Uh, I think we'll get uh, some more practice reports and stuff, and, and we'll do that. But for now, it's a good question on the text line. We will get to that when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi. One more segment with you. Fast show today on this Tuesday. Don't go anywhere. Sports. <laughs> This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Sounds good. On Super Talk Mississippi. All right, here's the question. Won't wait any longer. For Haydad, do you think Thomas and Griffin will both start at wide receiver this year? No, not at least not week one. Uh, Thomas is a versatile enough guy. I think he can go inside outside. Tulu is definitely more of the inside guy this day. You know, you can if you said a prayer about that the last couple of years, they have been answered. Um, I think the outside receivers, as we sit here right now, for sure, Justin Robinson is going to have one of those spots, and then either Jaden Wally or Freddie Roberson. But don't count out Jordan Mosley either, the transfer from Northwestern who was injured all of last year. Uh, he's having a really good fall camp. Had a good spring. I'm sorry, having a really good preseason camp. Uh, had having a really had a really good spring. I know. Uh, that's a, that's another name to watch. But I, I think Thomas is probably the second slot guy. So he, now that's not to say he's not going to play a lot. He will. He'll play a ton. But uh, I, I think that uh, Tulu is definitely a starter, and Thomas is probably one of the backups right now. Yeah, it's definitely not uh, fall camp yet. Here are the high temperatures for the next ten days. <laughs> 97, 96, 97, 99, 98, 99, 99, 96, 94. So, yeah. Fall's not here and tomorrow, yet. Tomorrow, uh, tomorrow that is the first day we've talked about it a little bit of state going back out the South Farm uh, for practice. So, practice is closed to the media tomorrow. Uh, and then Arnett will speak while we're live on the air tomorrow at 445. Uh, I am efforting, I like using that word, to have Coach join us on Thursday. Uh, I tried to. I wanted him to join us Friday, 
uh, live when we're in Starkville, but that is they'll be in meetings at that time. So they're off on Thursday. I'm going to try to have him on with us, and if that's the case, we'll get a great conversation with Coach Zach Arnett. Hopefully we can make that happen for us on Thursday's uh, Sports Talk Mississippi. That'll be really exciting. John Meridian says preseason NFL games are about as interesting as NBA regular season games. I disagree. One, I, I like NBA games too. I just, uh, I just do. But w- what's fascinating about preseason games, you, you know, you've really got to be kind of a sicko to, to appreciate this, but there's a lot of dudes on that field that are fighting for their football lives. And if you're a fan of a team like I am of the Saints, I am very closely watching the position battles of who can make the roster and and who won't. And, man, you'll see effort and and give a you-know-what in the preseason games that would surprise you if you don't watch them because you think they're meaningless. Oh, who cares? The players don't care. Oh, quite the opposite. That's a bunch of dudes trying to make the team. And so it's actually pretty decent football that that you still get. Quarterback plays will leave some to be desired, but but still. It's a funny tweet. Somebody's talking about SMU going to the ACC. This is the conference realignment equivalent of everyone bought as much toilet paper as possible during the early part of the pandemic. Co- conference administrators with a closet full of Stanford. You never know. We might need it. <laughs> That's really good. I- I'll never forget the signs <laughs> on the toilet paper. I'll only buy one. It's like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I keep a lot of toilet paper anyway. Got four people in the house. Yeah, got to. Yeah, it was never an issue for me. I use paper towels like nobody's business. I mean, we spilled milk this yeah. morning, like an entire yeah. roll. You got to be more specific there. Be more specific. We were talking about something else, and then you went to, I use paper towels. You got to be careful what you're saying. People might think you're using paper towels for other things. No, chasing don't, the, don't do that. Chasing the almost four year old around and just cleaning up everything all the time, always. So you you don't go Clorox wipes. I mean, a lot of you know a lot of people are like they got to have the the extra sanitation. Well, know? what I'll do is, I mean, you know, whatever it's spilled, you got to get that up first, and then I'll I'll use like a, get that up. a spray or, or oh, yeah, whatever. You, to... you got to dab. You got to dab. Yeah, and spray and dab. That's how you get stuff up. I've learned that through the years. Just reducing the number of uh, rug uh, square footage that I have in the house every day. I'm about, here's what, yeah, I'm about to say the easiest way to fix that is to pull up the carpet and get you know some hardwood in there or get something. We I don't know what we have. It's like some sort of. It looks like wood. That's, what, that's all I know. It looks like wood. So if something spills, it's easy to clean up. I've got. Real hardwood. It's really old, though. It's an old house, and the dogs have just ripped it to shreds. I, I need to get that that fake stuff that like is indestructible in the house. Because if you look closely on my hardwood, you can see. I mean, just from existing, the two dogs have just wrecked it. I mean, it just wrecked yeah. it. Yeah. And, and it's only seven legs. You They're think like carpet, it, though, it dogs, would be? Man. It would be one eighth, you know, better. <laughs> Maybe less. But it's not. It's not. not. You know, dogs, too, with carpet, man. That's always a problem. Yeah, and even if, like, mine are good. They don't mess on it, but they just make it smell like them. And just after yeah. a while. Well, I mean, never mind that. Dogs are not like cats, man. They When they got to go, they'll go. And if, if you don't get home in time, well, then you just got a mess to clean up. Jeff and I are apparently My- uh, on the same wavelength. He said, it's funny you said that about milk because at the exact same time you said that, I was drinking milk out of the jug from the fridge. Oh, yeah. 
There it is. I had a dog one time. He was big enough that he locked himself in the bathroom. He, he he hit it with his tail and couldn't get him. Couldn't get out. Oh, he was no. in there the whole day. I came home, toilet paper everywhere. I was like, <laughs> sorry. He just looked at me. He's like, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? I mean, no thumbs, man. Uh, I couldn't open the door. Really fun show today. Hope you guys had as much fun as we did. Thank you so much for making it a part of your day. We'll be back. All three of us will be back tomorrow starting at 3. See you then. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWGEmployerServices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.